If you strip everything away in healthcare, what is left at the end of the day is humanity. Humans taking care of humans. And I always talk about that healthcare you know, is the ultimate relationship business, right? It is about the connections we form and the relationships we build, which ultimately builds trust. Healthcare has evolved significantly with major advancements in science, technology, and data. However, one thing hasn't changed. Healthcare continues to be a human-first industry predicated on meaningful and trusting connections between people. We've spent a lot of time on improving outcomes, but have we spent enough time on creating environments where human connections thrive? I'm Rebecca Kornmetter, and this is Moments Move Us, a people-first podcast unlocking the power of meaningful moments by bringing you stories that inspire. Sven Gierlinger's professional journey went from hospitality to healthcare. As chief experience officer at Northwell Health, Sven uses his unique background and personal health story to develop trailblazing initiatives that reimagine the way we view the human experience. Throughout this episode, Sven reminds us of the importance of personal connection and relationship building. So what do a Michelin star chef, America's Got Talent golden buzzer winners, and a rooftop garden all have in common? Let's find out. I, I definitely have an unconventional path uh, to, to healthcare. Healthcare is actually my, my third industry now because I started out in the hotel industry where I you know, worked my way up in, in the culinary world, actually, and then got into hotel management. And I was hired by Ritz-Carlton to come to the U.S. from Germany. And I never imagined uh, being in healthcare. I always saw myself as uh, having my career in hotels. I loved it. I got to go to exotic places to open new hotels with Ritz-Carlton's, and I never had the desire to, to leave that. But, you know, it's like many things in life. There was a, a special circumstance that, that eventually led me into, into healthcare, and that was my own um, health story, actually, because when I was working at Ritz-Carlton, it's now many years ago, I contracted the Guillain-Barre syndrome, which made me paralyzed from head to toe. And it uh, came on very fast. It started from tingling and numbness in my fingers and toes to impacting my walking and my breathing within five days. And two days after that, I was bedridden um, in a hospital and then ended up in the ICU. I was completely paralyzed. I couldn't do anything for myself. I was on a ventilator briefly, not, not too long, but nevertheless, I was on a feeding tube. I was 90 days. I was three months hospitalized. And then after the hospitalization, I still came home in a wheelchair. And I then continued treatment um, in, with home care and then eventually outpatient uh, treatments to go to physical therapy, et cetera, to gain my strength back. And it was the better part of a year until I was back to somewhat full strength. Through that process, I lost about 50 pounds. I was a fraction of myself, and I had to learn everything that you learn as a child, as a baby, actually, from not just learning how to walk again. I had to learn how to, to sit up. I wasn't eating for a while. I had a feeding tube, and so we had to go through all those exercises, uh, speech therapy, because I wasn't speaking clearly for uh, some time. 
So that year was, I always talk about it, I was a professional patient <laughs> that uh, taught me everything that I needed to know about healthcare or that, that I didn't know what healthcare was about. I was a young man at the time, I was 29 years old and never had any interactions with the healthcare system. And you don't think about a severe disease, it just comes out of nowhere. And I started a new assignment with Ritz-Carlton. On the day I had my first symptoms, actually. <laughs> so it was quite the experience. And so I recovered, I went back into hotels and fast forward, I worked in my second industry, was actually a VP of museum operations for the Detroit Institute of Arts in Michigan. And then I was approached by a, by a health system by Henry Ford to join Henry Ford to open a new hospital based on my hotel opening experience because I wanted to infuse hospitality into this brand new hospital that Henry Ford was opening. And then it occurred to me that I really need to do this because I, I was able to combine my experience as a patient and what I learned through that with my professional upbringing, with being a hotel executive, and to put that to, to good use. And then, and now I've been at Northwell for the, the last eight years. It's an amazing story because I think we don't really appreciate what healthcare is about until we're in it in some way, whether we have a family member or we are ourselves a patient. And then you learn intimately, and in your case, very intimately what it's all about. And seeing it from that perspective, I think, gives you a very special insight into the power that really exists between a patient and, and the system as a whole, but also the individuals that you interact with. Right. And that, that's what was so striking to me is I remember laying in bed and I had conversations with my wife. It's like, it's amazing what these people do. <laughs> they do this day in and out. And um, I know what they had to do for me. <laughs> and being 100% dependent on them, I couldn't do anything for myself. And <laughs> I won't go into detail, but that they do this on a daily basis for, for, for so many patients really, really left an impact on me. And I, I, I want to say walked away from it, but not quite at the beginnings, but I, I, I reflected on it. Healthcare truly is like the most noble field you can be in to help people in their most vulnerable times of their lives, help them to get better, to show empathy, to uh, fuel them. And it's so much beyond the medical care that is important in that care experience. And it's like the, the care for my wife and for my family. I, I always felt that I was just the tip of the iceberg as the patient laying in that bed. There were so many more people that were impacted by that um, experience and what it takes to maneuver through that and to deal with all the obstacles that are in the way from not knowing what the future will bring, not knowing what the outcome will be. Will you be able to return back to work? What's the financial future going to be? Will I be on disability for the rest of my life? So all these pressures are just um, enormous. And the staff that cares for you, they help you through that. So that's really, really remarkable. I couldn't agree more. You know, my dad suffered from a chronic illness my whole life. And so I saw what it was like to be at the bedside with him and have caregivers in my home. And what you're sharing about the family piece of related to hope, I think, is something that healthcare workers do 
every single day, and it goes way beyond the clinical care, as you shared. Were there any people along the way that really transformed your experience and who you still think about today as you do your work in this more expansive capacity in leadership? One thing that uh, that really stands out to me is that how I viewed the experience. And while I felt like I was in great hands, uh, but the experience, there were inconsistencies, actually. And it's the, there were the great people. And then there were a few that were not so great that did not have that same empathy and that were not connecting as well as the others. And then, then you see that contrast. But I remember many of the staff members that cared for me by name today, I see their faces. And I have to tell you, it's when it's going on 22 years <laughs> that I was in the hospital. I think about that. 22 years later, it's uh, the the doctor, her name was Dr. Achatowska, who, 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 who diagnosed me. And she took her time and to really um, explain what was happening because she could tell that I was scared, that I didn't know what, what, what was about to happen here. I went straight to the hospital. The nurse that admitted me, her name was Mary. <laughs> she was incredible. And was so kind and comforting and really uh, took care of me. My main physical therapist in the rehab hospital, her name was Kathy. I wrote her an, an, a note recently, actually, just uh, telling her what I do today and how she impacted me and what great relationship we had as patient and uh, caregiver because you have to have so much trust in the physical therapist when you're paralyzed and you have the motivating aspect of that. They're, they're like the biggest cheerleaders. And she was incredible. And she really got my sense of humor. And the list goes on. There was a patient care associate uh, nurse assistant uh, named Stevie that was, he was he was hilarious. Physical therapist that came to my house, Maggie, she was tough. and I, But she got me to where I needed to be. And again, this is all these people impacted my care, and I remember them today. And that's what I share with all of our employees here at Northwell. When they start on the first day, we hire 250 plus people a week <laughs> that go through orientation. And I, I make time, in addition to our CEO, Michael Dowling, to spend time with them and to impress on them how important they are and how what we talk about is that it's every role Every person and every moment matters, and they are the ones that are delivering that. And they will have impact on people's lives, lasting impacts 20 years from now. And if we think about that, we have 78,000 employees at Northwell, and the impact that now then 78,000 employees can have on a community is just tremendous. It is unbelievable to think about that type of impact. And also when you talk about the people that you shared these experiences with that you really remember, a lot of it comes down to sort of that human side of healthcare where you say that they shared joy with you and laughter. And I'm sure from an emotional perspective, it was really hard to go through that process and to have people that could connect and go beyond just doing the exercises from a PT perspective and really see you for who you are as a person. 
talking about the feeding tube and, and my sense of humor, I used to joke when they hooked up the next bag <laughs> to feed me. Um, I was saying, so what are we having today? Filet mignon? But that's what that's what you need to have is uh, positivity and then that being reinforced by the by the staff members. Definitely. I remember um, once my dad was going into the hospital and he said to the nurses, he said, listen, I don't eat vegetables at home. If anyone feeds me vegetables after this, <laughs> I'm going funny. to know. <laughs> so don't do it. <laughs> so Sven, it's, a, it's an amazing journey of how you got to this point. And I know that your story impacts you in the work that you do today. When we look at healthcare as it stands in this sort of pandemically influenced state where it's like we have experienced a war. I know Michael Dowling has said that this was a war for our healthcare workers. And now they're left with experiences that really only they can understand in certain ways, just like you have veterans experiencing things that really only other veterans can truly understand. How do we make sure that humanity continues to be infused into healthcare workers and that they know their impact? If COVID taught us anything and the, what we've gone through here, especially when we went through the first wave here in New York, um, we were, as everybody knows, hit extremely hard um, out of nowhere. It was a tsunami. We were just having every day, the census just went up and up and up until we reached 3,500 COVID positive patients in our hospitals, uh, which was an the enormous amount of patients. We unfortunately had 80 to 100 people not make it every single day. The, the pressure that was on the staff was just uh, enormous. And but what it taught us is that if you strip everything away in healthcare, what is left at the end of the day is humanity, humans taking care of humans. And I always talk about that healthcare you know, is the ultimate relationship business, right? It is about the connections we form and the relationships we build, which ultimately builds trust. And what we saw during COVID is that, um, as everybody knows, and it, as it's been well documented, that people were alone um, in the hospital. They didn't have their families there. They didn't have the connections that they used to have in the time when they needed it the most. And we relied on video conferencing devices, um, et cetera, to, to make those connections. But the staff, the employees had to jump in and be those family members and uh, provide that human touch uh, to these very vulnerable patients that were in the bed. And, you know, that's what I think we've learned and that what we can preserve moving forward. Now, you're right, they have been through a lot. We have been through a lot. We talked about burnout before the pandemic. That just got amplified in a major way. And we see that in the surveys that we do and in, in the listening uh, posts and forums we have with our staff members. They're carrying a lot with them. And, and it's changed now. We went from the heroes two years ago in, in March when people were clapping on the streets back to people being frustrated, right? Because everybody is frustrated, society is frustrated with what's happening. It's been two years and we were all hoping that we would be done with it uh, now. But how do we get over that and how do we move forward from that goes back to those human connections. And I think part of our strategy is to build that back, to make sure that we get back to that essence of, that we preserve that through storytelling, 
through making sure that we highlight that special connection wherever we can. It's definitely not an easy time right now, but there's so much, there's so much hope and it's still the best field to be in in healthcare. I feel like the glimmers of hope really exist in these micro moments and little sharings of humanity that happen every single second within a healthcare experience. And when we think about bringing humanity back into sort of the forefront, and like you said, they went from heroes to now there's a lot of frustration. And when you think about that frustration, it's hard to think of an overarching sort of solution of, oh, we're going to come up with this and then they're all going to feel better. But rather it's these interpersonal moments that exist. And I think what you're saying is that they're adding up and that's really where the hope lives. And it's the support that we give to our staff and that we're on this, uh, all in this together. I remember also during, during the height of COVID when it was just so overwhelming to hear the constant codes, knowing that somebody was coding on the other end and we had to counterbalance that. And so that's when we decided to utilize the PA system in the hospital and to spread positive news when somebody was coming off a ventilator or when a COVID patient was being discharged. So we decided to play Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles. And then video surfaced of staff members, nurses dancing in the hallway to that tune that we played for half a minute or so, because that was hope. And that was like, yes, we're winning and we're going to get through that. And I remember being the first time I heard it when I was in a hospital and tried to go as much as I could to be at the front lines and to see what was happening when that was played. It brought tears to my eyes that, okay, somebody just made it and just, we couldn't share that enough and spread that. And our, our internal Facebook page, it's called Northwell Life, lit up daily with these just um, incredible stories of, of hope. A lot of joy has actually been shared from the system, I feel like, because I'm thinking about the choir that you all have and the arts that have just flowed from Northwell. Can you share a little bit about that? The choir has been absolutely amazing. It started with a fundraiser where Northwell was involved and it was supporting a not-for-profit called Nurse Heroes to see if we have singing nurses that could then actually be paired up with celebrities. Uh, you know how they piece those, those uh, pieces together for that concert. And that's how the nurse choir was formed. And then Lo and behold, they end up on America's Got Talent, <laughs> get the golden buzzer on the first show, which we had a viewing party about, which was incredible. And then they make it to the finals <laughs> of America's Got Talent. And every single one of them is an RN. There are 18 of them. There were over 100 that auditioned uh, for that. You know, they are a bundle of hope. <laughs> they are so incredible. And that has really lifted the spirits of our entire organization to, to follow them and to cheer them on. And they went beyond our own organization. They, they represented the, the profession of nurses and they've been performing everywhere from the time person of the year event to the holiday Christmas concert at the White House. It's interesting to go through their to have them show you pictures that they have on their phones <laughs> with, with the president, with Elon Musk, with all kinds of celebrities. And they are working on the units. And then they, they have these performances now, which they, they view as kind of like a reunion. It's really fun. 
What I love about it is, is obviously they're just the sheer talent is incredible. But the other thing that I love about it is that these are nurses that have come together doing something that is a part of them, but that maybe they hadn't always brought to their work life. And how when you see people transform through showing their whole selves, you can't help it, but become connected to that. And I think that shows the power of when we bring it all to everything we do, not just in our personal lives, having that sort of separate from our work lives, but like having this integrated sort of self so that when we show up, we we can feel the joy and be fully connected to those around us and create those moments. And that's what they're singing for. You know, they're singing that for fame or for have a breakout career. They are nurses and that's what they live for. Sven, it reminds me of of what you shared earlier about your culinary sort of background and your love of food, you have done some really amazing things with food insecurity and trying to help the community in New York. Can you share a little bit about some of these passions that you've had, especially around maybe culinary arts and how that's been brought into Northwell and the work you do? Because you are someone I feel like who just exemplifies what it's like to bring their full spectrum into their work. Food wasn't part of my job description when I started at Northwell, but what I realized is in listening to the voice of our customers, looking at our data, especially when we did like deep dive interviews with our patients, that food was important to them. And it wasn't necessarily supported by the research that food is not a driver of likelihood to recommend or a driver of loyalty in hospitals. And that's why at first we didn't go after that. There were many other priorities, but truly hearing from patients that they otherwise had a great experience, but the food was awful. The food was terrible. And when, when we looked in the mirror, we saw that we were in the bottom decile for quality of food in the health system. We took it very seriously. And we just not just looked at it about the food we serve for our patients also more globally in terms of the role food plays in health and connecting it to, to all the other aspects from the food we, we serve to our employees in our cafeterias and how we teach about nutrition. And if you look at the research, many of the chronic diseases could be avoided if it were for lifestyle adjustments and uh, food plays a big role in that. So we set out to change from typical hospital food, which is very unhealthy, <laughs> actually. It's highly processed. Typically it is and it has very little little nutrients. Hospitals serve fried foods and all kinds of bad things. So we changed that completely. And on that, ripped out all the fryers, no more fried food in our organization, set uh, nutritional uh, parameters for the food that we serve. And then through that journey, we realized that we really don't have the right talent in our kitchen <laughs> to to go to a fresh from scratch. I've been known to say that our chefs, they knew how to use can openers and scissors very well because that's all we did. We reheated uh, things. And so on this journey to bring the right talent into the kitchen, which means that then you infuse passion for cooking and for food into the kitchen, we were lucky to hire a very seasoned chef who was the chef at the Plaza Hotel for 17 years and then went on to be the chef at the Sonoma Mission Inn in California, where he actually had a Michelin star. And we hired him, put him in charge of food for Northwell. So it 
what we believe uh, was the first Michelin star chef in a hospital. <laughs> I think that sounds like a good a good bet. <laughs> and then it just uh, there was a chain reaction from that because then he brought people that he worked with in the past, and slowly but surely we have a, you know I believe the the most uh, talented and skilled uh, team of chefs um, in healthcare um, in our organization. We have people that worked at the French Laundry, <laughs> people that worked in at Mandarin Oriental, Ritz-Carlton, Four Seasons, and they are now in charge of the kitchen. And they are connecting with the patients. They're, they're, they're rounding with the patients, asking them what they can do for them and change the menus. And it's the feedback we're getting now is really phenomenal, not just on the numbers side. We went to the to, from the bottom decile to the 75th percentile ranking for quality of food. We have seven hospitals that are in the 90th uh, percentile. But the most important thing is that patients are now writing us letters about how important the, the food was to them and how they were looking forward to that and how they feel cared for through that. And we have patients requesting to be wheeled down to that just happened last week, a patient requested to be wheeled down to the kitchen <laughs> to thank the chefs in person for the food that they received. So it's really fun to and to see that. And then the broader food efforts also to connect it to our community health efforts, the food insecurity piece, making sure that we have an impact uh, on our community um, through that. We are in talks about a collaboration with a farm that's close by here and have stood up teaching kitchens within our organization where chef, dietitian, and physician often teach how to prepare healthy recipes and the impacts that it has on the health have stood up gardens at our, at our hospitals, including in Manhattan, Atlantic Hill, there's a rooftop garden, and which is also now an oasis for employees to go to in the midst of um, herbs and fresh vegetables. So it's been a great journey to, to focus on that. The, the best part is to see not just the impact on our patients, it's also the impact that it, it has on the soul of the hospital. It just it's, uh, it feels happier and lighter, and when people get something good to eat, they love it. I love how you said the soul of the hospital, because I think about, you know, we talk about like breaking bread together and what does that mean and feeding people. And you think about having people in your home and when you feed them, that type of connection is different than if people just come into your home and, and then leave after spending some time. And it's that exchange of like of nourishment from the heart nourishment, that soul enriching feeling that people get of really feeling cared for. We have chefs doing before they put a new menu together to do tastings with the nursing staff. <laughs> so the nurses can come down, can taste the new food, give their feedback before they, before it goes on the menu. Isn't that awesome? It's like that's what a restaurant does with the, with the waiters to give input. <laughs> we do that with the, with the nurses. You said earlier, healthcare is the best industry to be in and also it's the relationship industry. We see stats of like 60% now of people looking to leave this industry or to leave their jobs in healthcare. What can we do to try to turn the tides away from that type of major attrition that we are experiencing? And how can we get them back to these beautiful things like soul-enriching, connection-focused, human-first pieces that we know exist within healthcare that frankly do make it, I think, the best industry to be in in the world? There's no one solution to that. I think it takes a multi-pronged approach to do that and to, to, to 
to go upstream with some of these issues that, that we're faced with. One of them is clearly having programs in place to, to support the staff. You know, we have a, a stress and resiliency recovery program that we, that we rolled out across the health system. We have Team Lavender, which is a almost like a code that you can call if something is not going well, if somebody is experiencing enormous amounts of stress. And then balancing it with what we, what we talked about earlier to, to really put a spotlight on the joys of healthcare and to refocus back on why we got into healthcare, every single one of us, and what keeps us in healthcare. And it is those moments, it is the human connections that are so important uh, within that. And to attract more people into the industry, we have a lot of what we call workforce development programs to work with the schools and with the communities to say, hey, we're here. This is a great field. You can be anything in healthcare. <laughs> we have every job available. You want to work in IT, you want to work in finance, you want to work in culinary, you want to be a nurse, you want to be a doctor, you want to be a therapist, you want to be a, a mechanic, <laughs> you want to be security, anything. We have every, basically every job available available to you. One of the most beautiful things about healthcare is that you can, to what you are just sharing, you can do almost anything, but what you'll do will ultimately help patients and it will improve care in some way. So you were talking about chefs that now have an opportunity to meet a patient that's wheeled down to the cafeteria. They are part of that care journey for that patient and they definitely impact her experience. You know, I'll share one more story with you in terms of how I compare the hotel industry with the healthcare field. And I remember Edwards Carlton, we, when we had our staff meetings, we always highlighted stories and we took the letters that were sent to a corporate office or to the general manager of the hotel from somebody that had a great experience and they loved this day and they spent their anniversary weekend or whatever it was. And they named all the staff members and we brought the staff members in front of the leadership and thanked them and recognized them and gave them something and clapped. And it was really awesome. And we do the same thing in healthcare. We celebrate the stories. We get letters from people that they didn't have just a great experience. We impacted their lives. <laughs> we saved their lives. We did that through humanity. And, and often the outcome was the patient died actually, but how they were being treated and we took care of, of the family. It's always people have tears in their eyes and people are crying as a result of that. I never remember once that anybody was crying actually in the, in, when I was in the hotel industry when we read out one of those letters. And that tells you the impact that we have and how special it is. When you have like the most, the people at their most vulnerable and then you're there for them, that is what being a person is all about, I think. So I, I get ch chills thinking about that because there are so many stories that, that really resonate. I was just actually in a hospital a few months ago. My uncle passed away in March of this past year, so I guess almost a year ago. And I went to the hospital. They actually were going to be using Wambi. So I, I went to, to do like a launch there and their chief nurse put her arm around me and she said, we took care of your family and now you're going to take care of ours. And it was this feeling of the care that's given to your family when you're not there. And that depth of a connection that 
they share with all of their patients, regardless of who they are, and then having the opportunity to be there now in this different way and walking through the doors of the hospital, I felt in some way I was like coming home, which was a really special experience. And I think that that is healthcare in its essence. Absolutely. Well, Sven, is there anything else that you wanted to share that we didn't get a chance to cover? I just want to reiterate what I I said earlier, that everything is about the relationships that we have uh, with our patients, with each other, and the connections that we we make with them. And that's what we have to preserve and uh, hold, put in a very, very special place. You have such a beautiful perspective on this work and, um, and what you bring to it is so unique. So I always learn from you. And I appreciate you being here. Thank you. So Sven, now we're going to shift to our speed round part of this, which is going to be fun, quick questions so that our audience can get to know a little bit more about you, Sven Gerlinger, beyond the role. So first question, what does less than 10% of your work family know about you? That's a tough one because I'm a very open book. I don't, <laughs> I don't keep secrets. All right. A funny one that I was a hair model when I was 18. <laughs> wow, Sven. I had no idea. That was a wild card. <laughs> I had no idea. So was that for like print work in Germany? It was. It was for a, for a hair magazine. Oh, we might need to circulate those. Yeah, one, one day I share a picture. I'll share a picture with you. <laughs> you do have great hair. I'm not that surprised. Uh, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You know, we talk about superheroes a lot at Wambi because we talk about what's your superpower and how do you bring that into your everyday life? So I'm going to ask you, Sven, what is your superpower? And it could be real or imagined and why? I would love to have the power to turn off negativity (laughs) because negativity is just completely unnecessary. And if we all would be more positive, we would have a better world. So you'd be the negativity annihilator if you were a superhero. Yeah, the negativity buster. The negativity buster, I like it. All right, well, that's a good one, Sven. No one's ever said that before that I've asked that to. Final question. If you were in a different role, in a different career, and I know you've already had three different careers, so this is going to be potentially a stretch, but what would it be? If I could do anything... I would I would love to be a photographer. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Do you do any amateur photography now? I used to when I was a teenager and I just love to take pictures. But I think what what photojournalists do and especially when they go around the world and document world events that are happening, that's just really powerful because again, as it said, you know, pictures tell a a thousand words. And I think that's very special. And I think that would be very cool. And not what you expected, I would say. Not at all, but I, I love that you shared it. So thank you. Well, Sven, thank you so much for spending time with us on Moments Move Us. I really appreciate it. And thanks for helping our listeners get to know a little bit more about you, the hair model and photographer. It's been a pleasure. So here's to making more relationships and more connections that ultimately drive our experience. Who knows, your impact could last a lifetime. I'm Rebecca Korn-Metter. Thanks for listening to Moments Move Us. Remember, when you put people first, your actions can move others in unexpected ways. Be sure to follow wherever you get your audio.